Bart, I've asked you not to whistle that annoying tune. Everybody and welcome back once again to Simpsons is Greater Than, a Simpsons podcast where I talk to anyone who will listen about why The Simpsons is the greatest show of all time. As always, I'm your host, Warren, better known to some of you as Bart of Darkness. You might know me from my Simpsons collection on Instagram or Twitter. Be honest, it's great, isn't it? Go ahead and say it's great if you want to. But if not, I really think if you slide over to either one of those things and check it out, you'll be glad that you did. Today I am joined by my friend Aaron Murdoch, better known online as Snip Glass. Aaron creates a ton of cool stuff, but she also makes some really, really, really great Simpsons-themed pieces. So in this episode, you'll learn a little bit about Glasswork, but you'll also hear Aaron's experience with the show growing up and what it means to her, and who doesn't love to hear that? Episode 36. Let's go. Uh, You know, I guess we'll just jump in. Why not not jump in and talk about stained glass and Simpsons and cats and whatever else comes up naturally (laughs) in the conversation. What a combo. Yeah, what a combo. That's what I'm saying. Um, but the, the way I start every episode, anyone that's heard it knows this by now, is I like to know, like, how are you? How are you in your everyday life? How are you as things get back to some sense of normalcy? And uh, how are you, Erin? I'm good. Thank you. Um, I moved to Virginia in the beginning of the year, which was a pretty big shift because I was living in Philadelphia for the past seven years. Wow. Um, but it was mostly due to the fact that I need more space for my business. And right. I couldn't just have a studio that was also in my living room and my kitchen anymore. It was just getting <laughs> a little too much. Um, so I talked about it with my partner and he had family down here. We're around Norfolk area. And it's actually been, it's been really nice to have like more space, a house with a yard. I miss Philly every day. <laughs> I really do. Cause all my friends are still there and sure. you know, everything I knew for the almost the last decade is there too. But there's something really exciting about uh, a fresh place to set up or like a new home and especially having a whole studio now is kind of crazy to me. (laughs) I feel really thankful to have that. So I'm good. My business is doing well. Like, I don't even know if I could like consider it business. My art practice, (laughs) my like studio practice is doing well. Um, I'm just having a lot of fun and trying new things and just, you know, trying not to overthink too much. When right. it comes to being creative. <laughs> no, that's that's really good advice for anyone. And I will say, like, I totally feel that. Like when you when you move to a new place, that like, there is something exciting about sort of like nesting and setting up your new space. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's 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 kind of nice to have a clean slate, a fresh start sometimes. It, it's funny because I ask this question to people about like how they're doing. And when I when I think back to like when this podcast started, which was in the you know, smack in the middle of the pandemic. I'm like, it's sort of a bummer that now people that are just finding the podcast are going to be like, wow, this is really dated in this time of the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, so, but, you know, as we're getting back, you know, things are getting a little better. Um, hopefully I can sort of transition that into not being such a, a, a sad question. So it sounds like, you know, things are doing pretty well. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I was, I was thinking about this earlier. I was like, 
he's probably going to ask me how I'm doing. And then I was thinking about when you first hit me up about this, which is like when you started it, right. I was in a totally different place for sure. <laughs> so my, a couple months changed how I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. And you know, and I've had people say on the podcast, like my listeners know this by now that like some people thrived. Some people were like, you know, it's a terrible year for a lot of people, but things were pretty good for me. Things were not so bad. But then you hear people say like, oh, it was just fucking awful. So, yeah. And I, you know, it's sad. I would definitely say it was my push to leave Philly because I was confined to my apartment. It made me realize that I needed more space and that I just needed to make these changes that I've been putting off because it was comfortable where I was. So right. in a way, I don't know, I guess it worked out better. <laughs> yeah. See, are you, are you, are you guys all here in Aaron? Like if you just, sometimes you just got to make a change. That's good advice. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Definitely. get out there and do something. I love that. Do something. <laughs> well, for those so for those that are not familiar with Erin, uh, she runs an incredible account on Instagram called Snip Glass. Uh, she makes a lot of really awesome artwork. I'm a big fan of what she does. Uh, but for anyone that's listening to this that might be hearing about you for the first time, can you sort of just like break that down? Tell people what you do. Sure. I am a stained glass artist. Um if you're not familiar with stained glass, which I have found some people maybe aren't, it's a colored glass that you put in your window and it illuminates and reflects and refracts. Um, it's a fragile material. It's um, thousands of years old craft. <laughs> Love that. Um, yeah. It uh, has uh, religious roots in it and all the way to now a modernization of it. Um I do a mix of like personal designs and Simpson stained glass. So I guess that's kind of what I would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know, it, it is really cool. The one thing that I love about the internet as much as there is to hate about the internet is you can find these people that, that have gotten into these really interesting crafts like stained mm -hmm. glass and seeing, you know, like you said, it's something that's thousands of years old, something that's been around for a really long time. Seeing someone sort of put a spin on that, modernize that, do something really cool with it, and also bring it into something like The Simpsons, um, which, you know, we're, we're going to get into how how interesting it is that The Simpsons is so big in the art community uh, later on. But, mm -hmm. like, that is such a cool twist on something that's been around, you know, for so long. So uh, how, how did that journey begin for you? How did you get into that? And, uh, you know, what, what was that like for you when you started? Well... It's interesting. I've always been a pretty creative person since a young age. You know, I was drawing, coloring. I used to make like little bracelets and shrinky dinks and sell them in school for like a quarter or something. <laughs> always an entrepreneur from a very young age, I would say, but I didn't I like know. That. <laughs> um, and so probably around high school when they're like, think about your future, what you want to do. I was like, well, like, I think I'm pretty good at art. Like I spent study hall and lunch in there anytime I could just like hiding in the art room. It's where I always felt most comfortable and accepted and that I wasn't like being judged, you know. And so I was really into photography when I was in school and I decided, okay, I'm going to make a career out of this. So I applied to school and in uh, 2010, I moved to New York City and I attended School of Visual Arts for two years in their photography program, wow. which was really eye-opening. I was like 18, moved to New York City from like a very <laughs> rural farm town. Um, but I had friends and family who, uh, I, well, I have family that lives in Staten Island. So I was like, I was familiar with New York. I'd wanted right. to live there since I was like 14. That was like 
Right. I was like, I don't even know what was before Craigslist, but I was trying to look at apartments in New York City at like 14. So I was set on going to school there. Um, And so I was doing photography and it was really great. Unfortunately, my loans ran out. I couldn't get financial assistance. And so I had to make a change. So I was looking at schools that had photo programs and I found a school in Philadelphia called University of the Arts. And I applied and I was given a scholarship and financial aid that made it possible for me to continue my education. Wow. So I was all set on going for photo. This was like 2013. And then about two months before I was supposed to start, I like went on their website. Also, mind you, I'd never visited Philadelphia. <laughs> I had never even <laughs> seen the school. I knew, I think, one person that lived there maybe. But I was just like, I knew I couldn't go back and live at home. I like wanted to keep... I was so into this, like living on my own and doing the real world thing. Right, right, of course. Didn't want to backtrack. So yeah, about two months before I was supposed to start, I was like like signing up for classes and I needed an elective. And I saw glass blowing was an elective. And I was like, that's pretty cool. And then all of a sudden this memory was triggered in my brain. And I think when we were like as a family, when I was around like seven years old, we were in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And I... I think I watched Amish people blow glass. I like have this memory of like going into this barn. It was really hot. And there was like this like ooey gooey bright material. I couldn't like, you know, it's so, I was so young. I can't really right. recall the moment, but I just remember being really hot. And there was like, this is crazy. But something about it was so interesting to me. By the time I was leaving school for photo, I was printing photos in the dark room on ceramic plates. I really wow. wanted more tangibility to my work. And so I saw the glass blowing and I was like, this is cool. And so, and so I went to my parents and I was like, hey, mom, hey, dad, thank <laughs> you for investing in all this photo equipment and every creative endeavor I've ever wanted to do. I want to blow glass. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be a glass blower. <laughs> um, school starts in two months and I'm going to change my major. And they like kind of looked at me and I'm so thankful for them because they're like, okay, like, if this is what you want to do, like, right, which I'm like, I kind of felt like they knew that I wasn't going to give up on this, because I just felt so, for some reason, so passionate about it before I had even started, I saw it literally a photo in a brochure. Um, (laughs) I went to Philly, I met with the head of the craft department at the time. And I was like, hey, like, I want to be a glass major. And he was like, have you ever done it before? And I was like, no. And he was like, "Mm, okay. (laughs) Sure. So yeah, right. I was able to transfer into the glass department. Um, It made me have to do school for three years then, but that's understandable. I was brand new at it. Um, Right. So while I was there, um, one of the full semester courses they offered was a stained glass class with a brilliant, brilliant woman named Judith Schechter. She mm-hmm. is an amazing artist, um, very intelligent and well-spoken woman, and her work is beyond anything you would think stained glass could be. <laughs> wow. Shout out to yeah. Judith. Yeah. Shout out to Judith. <laughs> um, so I think because... She was such an amazing person and a teacher and gave such like, she gave good criticism where it was like, she wanted to help you be better, but she knew how to word it to make you feel encouraged to do better. Um, So I took her class, I'm pretty sure almost every semester that I could. And by the time I graduated, I had, you know, I had done glass blowing, stained glass. There's also another process called like fusing glass. And I did flame working. And part of me was like, 
oh, should I make like bombs or something? <laughs> like, should I get into <laughs> making like pipes? I don't know. But part of me was hesitant in setting up any type of studio that had to do with hot glass working because I was always renting and you need oxygen and propane and you oh, need wow. hot fire and like a lot of things that were like red flags to me to set up in a basement in Philly. <laughs> like I was really like, ah. Oh. So I was like, you know what? I'm pretty sure I can set up a stained glass studio. So right after I graduated in 2016, I was determined to keep doing glass. So I set up a stained glass studio and I was still having a bunch of part-time jobs here and there, but that's really like how I started in stained glass and then eventually became full-time self-employed in uh, 2018. Wow. So that's a, wow. that's a little story for you. <laughs> no, that's see, that is all really interesting. And and also like, you know, I'm saying a lot of things are good advice, but that really is like, if, if you are into something and it leads you to something else and you're hesitant to like make that jump, you know, you got to go with your gut. Like that's like the standard classic generic advice, but Aaron did that and look at all the cool <laughs> shit she's making guys. Come on. Like that's, that's perfect. That's good advice. Thank you. Thanks. I'm glad there was advice in there. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely is. You got to follow, you got to follow your gut. You got to do what yeah. you're passionate about. Even if it's, you know, if it's making stained glass, if it's filling a room full of Simpson stuff and looking like a weirdo on the internet, <laughs> you just have to do the thing that you're passionate about. Yeah, um, for sure. What, what would you say is the most challenging thing about what you do? Like as far as like when you were getting into doing it, what was the biggest hurdle you think um, you had to go over? I definitely feel like it was a pretty big financial investment. Glass is not um, a cheap material. So part of it was also just like saving up money to be able to float for a while while I was self-employed because I didn't know really if I was going to be able to swing it. Like I was like, you know, if I have to, I can just get a job again. But part of me was like so tired of like somebody else's timeline and somebody else's rules and all that. Um, So I feel like Maybe the hardest part too is just like finding that confidence to make that jump into being self-employed, I would say. But other than that, it was just, yeah, it was like gathering materials and studio equipment and having the space to do it. Like right. I said, and I've had like four different studios now, like started in a basement, which didn't have any natural light, which when you're working with stained glass is really difficult <laughs> because that's like the whole point of it. Um, right. I don't know, being where I am now, I'm really thankful for that growth and like the opportunities I've gotten to expand. Um, but <laughs> what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> well, you sort of you sort of answered it. I mean, it's you okay. know, like the, the most challenging thing. And and I relate to that too because you know, I I do a lot of the things that I do on top of a day job, and there's always this, you know, pressure to yeah. like, you know, like what if I took X to the next step? And I'm sure that is very intimidating. I'm sure that's a very scary thing. I'm sure a lot of people struggle with that. Like, yeah. I'm sure I could do this, but but maybe I shouldn't. Like, you know, like it, that hesitancy probably keeps a lot of people from doing something. So my hat's off to you, Aaron, for doing Thanks. that. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say maybe now the most challenging part for me is learning to be okay with taking days off <laughs> because that's really hard. I always feel guilty if I'm like not working, whether it is just like computer work or actually physically making glass. Um, but also the social media aspect has gotten like 
a little, not like challenging, but it's more than I was anticipating when I first started this. Sure. So. And I'm, I'm a mani- I'm a maniac. And I, for some reason was like, you know what? I'm sure I can still run Bard of Darkness, start a podcast, do like all run all the social media all by myself, edit it all by <laughs> myself. Like, you know, so I, I feel that like it, there's yeah. a lot that comes along with it. And, uh, you know, even when I take a week off from the podcast, just to like sort of gather myself, I'm like, mm-hmm. are people mad at me? Like, are people like, <laughs> like, I, I'm so, uh, you know, hooked to this mindset of like always being busy that it yeah. is hard to take time off. So again, th- th- this is, this whole episode, in my opinion, at this point is about good advice. Aaron's bringing a lot of good advice. <laughs> wow. And so you, you gotta, you gotta take time off everybody. Yeah, You gotta, you these do. are all, this is well said. You know? <laughs> take big risks and take time off. Like <laughs> That's perfect. Let's put that on a t-shirt. Yeah. Um, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So how long would you say like on average, I'm just curious, this is my own. uh, How long does one piece take you? I'm sure it depends on the size and all that, but in general, like, well, how long would you say you work on a normal piece? If it's something like um, a Simpsons piece, like specifically, if I'm doing one of those, probably from like, it does depend on the design. So where do I start with this? (laughs) It depends on how the character is drawn, which will be how difficult of a piece it will be for me. Mm. Um, I would say the average time, if I'm making like a pretty complex Simpsons piece, I give myself about three days because I don't want to go too fast or I don't want to go too slow either. Um, But that's from like drawing it, making the pattern, selecting all the glass, cutting it, grinding it copper foiling it, soldering it, patina, wire work, (laughs) like putting the edge on, putting the chain on and then taking photos and then editing photos. And then, you know, it's just like probably between that three, eight hour days. So what is that? 24, 24 hours. Yeah. Listen to all all those steps in the process. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And and that is an underrated, you know, again, to, to say I relate is you know, taking cool photos of the stuff that you are trying to feature, oh gosh. not as easy as some people think. I will say you have a great eye for that, Aaron, obviously with what you do, but your Instagram looks beautiful. Anyone that's not following Snipglass, uh, it is a it is a perfect example of an account that I enjoy visually, like outside oh. of the product itself. I like the way you edit the photos. I like the whole aesthetic of the page. Thank uh, that's you. something that's important to me. So Thanks. yeah, I, really I kind of feel like those two years of photo school, like helped a little bit, I, that, you know, I'm saying, I'm <laughs> saying, so you still applied it. You still applied yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. You just had, you just had to see those guys blowing glass in the barn. And yeah. <laughs> and photographing glass, dude, is so, it can be so hard with like reflections that. and like, you want to get the right light and you know, everything I do is shot on iPhone, hashtag right. shot on iPhone. <laughs> but uh, yo, and now, and now phones are just incredible cameras. So, oh my gosh, my phone is a better megapixel than the camera I started in school with, like my <laughs> Canon Rebel XTI or something from 2009. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not even worth it. The iPhone 12 is the silliest thing I've ever seen. The camera yeah. is just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, well, so obviously, Aaron, you're a you're a huge Simpsons fan, as as is obvious by your account <laughs> and what you do. Uh, d- do you have a favorite Simpsons piece that you've made? Like, I'm curious to know that. Oh yeah, I you know what's funny is I thought you were going to ask me this question, so I was like, oh, I'm going to scroll through my Instagram because I can <laughs> lose track sometimes. <laughs> but the first one that's coming to my mind is I made this one of Maggie sleeping on top of gel- a jello mold. Love that Which one. is like a one second clip from that episode. Like you probably, so you'll know the episode when it's really hot and they're sitting in front of the fridge with the tent. Guess what? 
It's yeah. Bard of Darkness. That's okay. I was like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's right in the beginning. You know what I'm talking about. And she crawls over and she sleeps on top of the jello. And I think what I love it the most is that the piece was also made for uh, a couple who just had a newborn, wow. like a little girl. And they actually have a, f- a few of my pieces. They also have, I made this one of Marge, like peeking through the window, which was kind of cool. And then another one of Otto, which is the only Otto piece I've made to date. Wow. They have a pretty cool collection. Um, I, but I, I, I would say, like <laughs> I think that Maggie one, I just like because like, the glass I found for the Jello was like perfectly textured and colored. Like, you know, I worked slow on it because one thing that can happen in glass is uh, cracks. <laughs> and like, if there's too much heat on glass or there's like the wrong cut in it, it can, you could be like 12 hours into a piece and it just goes doink. It's like the uh. smallest little sound and it's like the sound of death. Like, it's really, <laughs> it's really bad. And sometimes it's like you have to literally start all over again. So insane. The fact that that piece was flawless <laughs> is probably um, why it's one of my favorite pieces. I mean, none of the pieces I have out there have cracks. Let me clarify that. There you <laughs> go. Yeah, Erin's Aaron, just saying it can happen. She's it's she's not she's not putting out mistakes. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> um, but now I want to add that maybe my second piece is a newer piece. I made television with a bunch of static and colored lines and wavy lines, and that one was also a favorite because it's just an iconic piece of the Simpsons home that like you see on every opening credits that you're right. like. So good. Yeah. And, yeah. If you're, and if you're listening to this, I'll put at least one of those in the actual post about this episode. So go yeah. to the Instagram, look at the, look at the post or go to Aaron's page and look at all of her posts. I'm going to recommend you do that as well. Yeah, check it out. So do you, do you, uh, when it comes to the Simpsons, like getting into the show and all that, mm-hmm. when did you get into it and what is your earliest memory of it? I'm curious, like, what was your childhood like? with the Simpsons? Well, I'll say this first. I was born in 1992. So I was younger when it first aired, but my mom loves the Simpsons. Wow. And it was kind of the thing where like both my parents worked full-time jobs and the time we spent together was like, you know, after dinner when we'd watch the Simpsons, the back-to-back episode at 6 and 6.30 on Fox. (laughs) And of course, I, my mom has a very infectious laugh and it's very loud. And I feel like because it would always make her laugh, it made me really happy to watch this. <laughs> and I think too, of just being um, born in that time, I was like given a lot of like really great cartoons on television, a lot of great animation between like Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network and all of that. Absolutely. So cartoons have always been something that just feels like nostalgic and homey for me and just like something I like turn to when I just need to like not turn off, but just like go somewhere else for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And get away from things. Yeah, exactly. And I definitely think that the Simpsons, um, it started then and it just never like, I just always thought it was like the best thing ever. (laughs) I really did. (laughs) Um, my mom told me when I was young, like, you know, I think one of my first words were like mama, dada, but also dough. I would say wow. dough because I had I had an uncle who would like look at me when I was a kid and be like, dough. And so I'd like repeat it back to him. So, <laughs> you know, not for nothing. I've, I've been a fan since the beginning. Right. Um, but yeah, it definitely just brings a sense of nostalgia to me and just like family time and just like, you know having those laughs together. And, and also like just being able to like rewatching it as an adult 
right? And getting all those jokes I didn't get when I was younger makes it so much better. Totally different experience. Yeah, totally different, which I'm like, wow, I can literally watch this over and over again. (laughs) Well, something that I don't know if I, I mean, I talk about all different aspects of why The Simpsons is great on this podcast, which is why it exists. And also uh, why I, I, part of me wishes I had just called it Simpsons is great, which is actually all (laughs) that would fit on Twitter. And it's almost a better name. But uh, one thing that I don't uh, talk about enough, I feel is that there is something very like, not only the nostalgia, but there's like an aesthetical connection to like what the Simpsons did. Like, you know, I, obviously I collect Simpsons merch, mm-hmm. but there's something visual about the way the show looked, the kind of products that they made. There's yeah. there's like a certain feeling that that gives you. Uh, it puts you in this like window of, of, of time as a child, like, oh, the 90s felt this way. And most of my mm-hmm. memories, although I liked lots of other things, most of them are tied to the Simpsons. Like there's just something sure. that feels a certain way. And uh, it's interesting to put it in that perspective. I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like the Simpsons were like the color palette of like the 90s. 100% you know? well said. Yeah. Yeah. Everything. And I think that's a big appeal for me as to like why I do. So maybe I'm jumping ahead here. Why I do no. <laughs> make Simpsons glass is that because I have this like palette of glass, I can now apply that to the Simpsons and also like make it different because now you can like hold a piece of the Simpsons. You like taking a, a something that's always lived in a 2D world to me and bringing it into the 3D world absolutely. is what is really really satisfying. No, absolutely. So I, I mean, that's sort of like what we're already talking about in a sense, but like, aside from that, like, what do you think, what do you think is special about the Simpsons? Like, what do you think, like, why do you think it is so well represented in the art community? Like, is it just the color palette? Is it just a combination of all of that? Like, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's, it's definitely the color palette. And maybe I just thought of this now. It could be that like, uh, the characters aren't too complex and the way they're drawn that you can play around with them and recreate them. And I think too, because it's just been around for so long and it's such like a a pop culture, like icon of a show that like you can make anything. Like I make this one thing that's just simply color theory of the Simpsons. And mm. like, granted, maybe you'd have to know the Simpsons a bit more to like see it, but like, it's a, it's just a very recognizable cartoon, I would say. Maybe I'm wrong. No, no, you're not. You're not. And I mean, you know, talking to people from the show, like especially animators, you know, they talk about like they the people working on that show in the early days, they put a lot of time and thought into those colors. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, you hear the name Georgie Pelusi. She messed with the the blue hair on Marge, all these different colors for the room. There is something very special. Like, I don't think there is any. I mean, you know, I love King of the Hill. But nothing's blowing my mind about the color palette in King of the Hill. Very soft, yeah. When you look at The Simpsons, I mean, even even now, but mm-hmm. especially in those early days, you just see colors that don't exist. Like my, oh, yeah. if you if you go to my Instagram, Bart of Darkness, uh, and you look at the the little Bart head that's my icon, which is just something I sketched years mm-hmm. ago, just a little doodle. But the color pink that is behind his head is the color of the wall in the first Tracy Ullman short. I just st- I stole that color, and that is an incredibly weird color that looks like nothing else I've ever seen. There's just so many interesting color mixes, and you know, people that have listened since the beginning of this podcast know that I screen print. Uh, that that's an industry I've been in for a long mm-hmm. time, and you know, I mix colors and I mess with colors all the time, and those colors are really special. They're not colors you see oh, a lot. They're totally yeah. different. 
for sure. It's, Which then sometimes makes it a little difficult on my end because the, <laughs> the palette and glass only extends so far. And just like a little nerdy side note, um, to no, achieve- I want all the I want all the nerdy <laughs> side notes. Give me all the nerdy side notes. <laughs> to achieve pink glass, um, so glass is colored through different metals mixed with silica. Wow! And to achieve pink glass, you have to use gold. So pink glass is pretty expensive, and it's hard to like maybe have, keep a lot of it in stock. But wow. it's the one thing I splurge on specifically for Simpsons pieces because that is one of like the iconic colors that pops out to me when I think of them. Yeah. And also, I just want to say my favorite room in the Simpsons house is the kitchen because oh. all of the colors in there, specifically like any shot of like the fridge with the heart magnet, the green fridge, and you have the phone next to it. Like, I can just see it. And part of me is, has the fridge on a back burner as like something I want to make. <laughs> it, like has this, it has a few like technical things I have to figure out. But sometimes, you know, you'll see those like people are like, oh, I painted my kitchen like the Simpsons. I'm like, that's really cool. But doesn't really look the same. Like, really I know same. you like this is really <laughs> cool. But something about I think it's because it needs like that television glow behind it. <laughs> it does, yeah, it almost needs that like haze of an old television. Yeah, uh, I, sure. I will recommend anyone, uh, especially, you know, you hear us talk about the color palette and all these cool colors. Uh, which I also, you know, we're going to talk about this in a minute, but I'll give a shout out to Alex Mayhews, friend oh, of the yeah. podcast. Uh, she's done stuff with Aaron. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also talked a lot about the color palette way back in episode six. So go listen to that if you haven't. But, you know, anyone that's looking for like a cool art piece for their home, uh, I will recommend that you go online and try to find like an old animation cell, especially of the kitchen. The colors will never look brighter to you. They they will really blow your mind in person. Um, there's something really incredible about that old process of like, you know, hand painted cells mm-hmm. and those colors will pop. So if someone, if someone wants to experience like those colors, like raw and in their face, you'll have to spend a little money, but I recommend <laughs> tracking down like a, a cell. You can, sometimes you can find one for a not insane price. Um, so that's a great, I mean, especially if you're not a collector, but you just want something, save a little money, find a good cell online. You won't, will, you, you will not regret it. That's the, the Bard of Darkness guarantee. Well, now I'm like eager to hop on eBay after we hang up. Like, is that That's where I would I'm, find something like that? You, you can, and there's some websites. There's actually, okay. you know, spoiler, there's some on eBay now. There's a really good one oh my gosh. of Bart and Millhouse in the treehouse. I have a sale from that scene, but there's mm-hmm. an even better one on eBay right now. I think it's uh, it's a reasonable price. It's not cheap, <laughs> but it is cheaper than I've seen a lot of sales go for, and okay. it's a buy it now price. Okay. So just well, I'm gonna there. go check that out after we're done with this. <laughs> if it's gone, maybe Aaron bought it. But if you're listening to this, go check it out, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's you know, we talk about the art community. Like that is that is another thing that I love about Simpsons fans is that you know there are so many fans of the show, people that grew up with it, people that got into it later, that are making crazy stuff. I mean, look at look at all the cool Simpsons tattoos you see online. Look at all the cool pins. All the cool bootleg merchandise. Uh, uh, there, there's there's a, a Simpsons cooking book, uh, cooking book, a cookbook coming out. I saw you posted. Yeah. Um, spoiler. Also, a, a guest that's going to be on the podcast soon. Um, and I, you know, these are the sort of things you see from fans that I think is part of the reason. You know, people talk about all these reasons why the show is still on. I think it's people like that that are mm-hmm. the reason the show still exists. Because think about how many people find it relevant because they can still find all this cool custom pieces like what Aaron yeah. does. I mean, it's, it's a crazy thing. I, th- I, I think about it too. I'm like, I, 
I would say the majority of people who like own some of my artwork are people around my age who have this sense of a nostalgia, but also now maybe have a house and want to decorate it. And then they're like, oh, wow, I can get a cool art piece about my childhood. That's one of a kind and like hanging up in my house. And yeah, you're right. There are so many creatives out there making like so much work about the Simpsons. That's just kind of mind blowing. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, look at look at Alex Mayhews. Look at Aaron. I know. I'm big look at fan. look at uh, Bazaar <laughs> Barciano. I, I, I hope I'm not butchering oh, her name. Her stuff is incredible. With the embroidery, the yes, yeah, I know. That's, the hoops, yeah. My hands hurt when I think about holding a needle like that. <laughs> like, yeah, her work is incredible. I mean, there's just so many people. Yeah, uh, you know, and and I think it's just such a it's such an interesting thing because you know I like who would think that there would be such a market. Uh, for a Simpsons cookbook, but I I see that and I just light up. Like I'm, I can't wait to see the photos. Um, shout out to the joy of cooking Millhouse. If anybody wants to follow that account, <laughs> they're the ones making the book. Um, and it just really, I mean, there is no shortage. Like there is no end in sight of creative Simpsons fans. And I think that's part of the reason that I am the way I am is because <laughs> those are the sort of people I want to be friends with. So yeah. <laughs> it's just, it, it just pulls me in every time. I can't get away from it. Yeah. It's, it's wild. Um, well, so, you know, the Simpsons had, you know, such an impact on so many creative people, like what we're saying here. Uh, how much would you say the show informed your interests? Like outside of just art, how, how, how much of an impact do you think it had on the things you like, like your sense of humor, all that sort of thing? I definitely feel like, um, some of my sense of humor comes from the Simpsons where it's funny if somebody's not familiar with the show and I like, you know, pull out a joke or two, they just think I'm weird. <laughs> like, and I don't know what I'm talking about. I will say too, I think again, not to like keep repeating myself, but that color palette, like now that I have a home and I can furnish it, I have super saturated furniture and patterns and colors. Like my floor, like my carpet I'm looking at right now is like all different pinks and swirls. And I got like this green couch and Love I think it. it just has informed like the way that I like decorate and furnish because that's the house I saw into for the past, whatever, 28 years of my life. <laughs> and right. I'm like, I like that. And that's what I want my home to look like. So I feel like in a way, also like, my collection is nowhere near yours, but I have also, <laughs> I love finding little Simpsons things in the wild. I call it like yeah. random, like antique stores or thrift stores, you know, and the most remote places sometimes where I'm like, Ooh, I have to have it. <laughs> like, I just need to get this. And, um, I don't know, I guess that's how it's like kind of informed my life, like outside besides also just being, uh, a part of my creative process too. And just sure. like, part of my glass work as well. Love but, it. Yeah. Well, I will tell you, you know, my, for those that don't know, my collection literally started as like a box under my <laughs> bed in my old apartment. And it all started with buying stuff at, at thrift stores and flea markets. And it was like, oh, I've got, you know, a couple of Bart dolls. I've got the DVDs. Mm -hmm. Oh, these Legos are coming out. I'll get those. Those are cool, <laughs> you know, and it snowballed into this. And I mean, no one at home can see it, but I'm sure if you follow me, you've seen it before. But Aaron, Aaron is seeing me just look, you know, unhinged in this room full of stuff. Um, no, I love and, it. <laughs> <laughs> and you talk about the color palette. But when I when we bought this house, um, my goal was to make the walls in this room, the, the blue shirt Bart color blue. Ooh, yeah. And, uh, so I got as close as I could to that. And, uh, it, it's just something, I mean, every little detail, even the way, like the way Bart is colored in the animation, the way he's colored in some of the print, the way mm -hmm. they're colored on the packaging, like all those palettes are untouchable. Yeah. Um, they get to points where it's less, I mean, where it's less great, but it's still always cool. 
And, uh, you know, that's why that that's why I have most of the PMS colors for The Simpsons memorized, because I'm just insane. <laughs> You're not insane. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Aaron. Thanks. I, I appreciate that. Um, well, so we have I have a section. I did it again. I'm going to this is just a running thing where I say we on this podcast. We were going to hear me say this in every episode. I do not have a co-host aside from when Botter <laughs> comes on to hang out with me. But I will always say we. So I, from now on, I'm just saying we. I'm not even going to apologize for it anymore. But I'm happy to say that Aaron is the first guest to get the new version of oh. the big three. There's the big three that I ask a lot of people, and I actually decided to retire one of the questions. I might put some sad music here. Um, oh, sorry. I just, I just didn't feel... <laughs> I just didn't feel like it was as good of a question. A lot of people were giving the similar answers. And I was like, how often can I like give my my same bit about my favorite season? So I will no longer be asking for favorite season. Feel free to tell me, but it's no longer one of the questions. Okay. And so we have a new slot on the big three. Okay. The first one, which is uh, still still standing, is who is your favorite character on The Simpsons and why? <sighs> you know, Ivan, take, take your time. Take a lap if you need to, you know. I hate to disappoint. Okay. If I had to choose from the immediate family, like if I was choosing from the Simpsons family, it's really hard. My first go-to is to say Lisa, I would say. Correct I answer. I think because, what was that? <laughs> That's correct. the correct answer. <laughs> but the runner-up is Marge. Marge is one of the funniest people, like one of the funniest people in the family because she has all those little like one-liners or little like short things that you're like, I can't believe she just said that. Like that was hilarious. Like, you know, just out of the blue kind of thing. But yeah, I think if I, and then if it came down between Lisa and Marge, it'd probably be Lisa. Definitely. Yeah, no, that's the correct answer. Like I said, I, so I, everyone knows I love Lisa. I love uh -huh. Yardley. Um, mm -hmm. but one of the things that I always say, I mean, you couldn't have the show without the incredible voice cast. They are the show, oh my God. the writing, yeah. the writing is so important. Obviously that's, that comes first, but the voice cast is one in a million. Like that's mm -hmm. just a fact. But mm -hmm. I always say that Yardley and Julie, uh, because of their, you know, they don't do as many characters. They really are focused on these, on these, just a couple of characters, uh, in Julie's case, I think they're the secret sauce. Because of that, like, I think Marge <laughs> yeah. is so funny. Yardley is so funny. They're both so different and incredible. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that either one of those is my answer. Uh, but it, it ultimately is is Lisa. But I think when people say Lisa or Marge, I'm very hyped. So that's the correct. Well, well done, Aaron. Well Thank done. you. Thanks. <laughs> okay, so maybe this is harder. And this is the new question in the big three. Who is your least favorite character? Oh. And why? Oh dang, that's hard. I want to hear his feelings. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. I love I love making people think about this, which is why it is now in the big three. Least favorite. Like, who's a character that you rarely laugh at, or when you see them in the show, you're like, oh, okay. Like, I'm probably like, I don't hate them, oh. but like, I don't love episodes about them. There's a character coming to mind, but doesn't mean I hate this character. But sometimes, oh, this might be an unpopular opinion. Uh, sometimes Ralph. Oh. I don't know. Sometimes I'm just like, okay, I get it. Like the same thing over and over again. Oh no. Now I don't no. know. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, it's not. So uh, in the most recent Q and a, I read off some unpopular opinions from my listeners and uh, anyone listening that wants to submit one of those, please email me because I'm going to start talking about these a lot more often. I love hearing what people don't love mm -hmm. about the greatest show of all time. So mm -hmm. Simpsons is great at gmail.com. Shoot me an email. Um, 
But I, there were some other people that were like, I just don't think Ralph is funny beyond his first appearance. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and that's, you know, it's not, you know, I, I'm repeating myself here, but I say I don't love Millhouse. People get mad about that, too. There you, go. there you go. I could see that, though. He's like, <laughs> poor Millhouse. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Homer, Homer tells us he's, he's, a, he's a little wiener kid. He's just, yeah. he's, just, he's just an odd kid. Sometimes I don't think his jokes are that funny. Sometimes, you know, sometimes I don't like Homer. There you go. Said okay, that. now that. All right. Well, this has been fun, Aaron. I'll see you later. <laughs> oh man no i i love homer but i do i will say i do not subscribe to the you know people say like oh homer's the funniest character on the simpsons he's the funniest character mm. of all time i don't <laughs> agree with that i do think he is incredible i think dan mm-hmm. is incredible mm-hmm. uh but homer would not he would not even be my top three favorite simpsons family members so i would agree with that yeah, yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. All right, the, I can I can hear the emails rolling in to tell me I suck. Um, so what what about favorite episodes? Do you have like sort of a top three, a top five, a top three hundred? What what do you got? I yeah, right, probably <laughs> top three hundred. I will say one of my top ones, season nine, episode one, the city of New York versus Homer Simpson. Yeah. Again, I think it's because like a lot of my childhood memories are about New York, or like going to New York, and I just thought like where I grew up in New Jersey, like when we said we we're going to the city, it meant New York City. And so seeing this place that like I had like loved from a young age and wanted to live in and now in my favorite cartoon was like one of my favorite things. And I think too, <laughs> my guiltiest pleasure once a year, I drink a Mountain Dew and every single time, <laughs> every single time I drink the Mountain Dew, I can't not think of the line that makes me laugh every single time. <laughs> Aaron, I got to say, okay, so when you said my guiltiest pleasure, never in a million years would I have guessed that you were going to say I have a Mountain Dew. Like you're saying it like having a Mountain Dew is such a bad thing. You're like, look, I don't don't do this often, but once a year I have, I try to let myself have a Mountain Dew. That's very funny. I like, I don't know. I stopped drinking soda a couple of years ago and every once in a blue moon, if I'm like dying of thirst, I'm like, oh, I need a Mountain Dew. That, okay, that is that is one of my favorite. <laughs> that's oh, one of my God. favorite guilty pleasures <laughs> I've ever heard. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely I'm gonna put a pin in that. I'm gonna remember uh, that. Uh, I'm glad this is a podcast. People can't see my face getting red right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I, I I will say I stopped drinking soda for years, mm-hmm. and uh, I in the last couple of years, especially during the pandemic, uh, I re uh, you know I, I refound my love for Dr Pepper. Mm-hmm. Um, and I cannot stop anyone that listens to the pod boys bonus episodes on this feed knows that I generally open every start every episode opening a Dr. Pepper. I just, <laughs> there are a few things in this life that I, that give me as much joy mm. as Dr. Pepper. Can I do a uh, quick side note about Dr. Please. Pepper? Have you ever seen that movie blast from the past with Brendan Fraser? Yes. Yes, I have. His dad drinks warm Dr. Pepper. Like he heats up the Dr. Pepper on the stove. It's just something that sticks in my mind. Like I like, sure. Dr. Pepper is not my, my go-to, um, but I have drank it and I have liked it, but I can't think of warm Dr. Pepper. (laughs) I think of Dr. Pepper, I know that's such a weird. (laughs) That is, that sounds horrible. I mean, maybe it's good. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Uh, it was like a thing when Dr. Pepper came out, they were like, Oh, heat it up. Like, I mean, I do. So, so I joke about the medicine thing because I hear that argument a lot. I would argue Dr. Pepper does have sort of a medicinal taste, which is why like diet and zero sugar versions of it don't taste weird because Mm, it's easier mm -hmm. for them to stay more on the flavor. Um, And anyone that remembers when I had Bill Oakley on the first time, we talked about peanuts and Coke 
And I think we talked about peanuts and Dr. Pepper. Also very, very good. So uh, Mm. anyone that wants, you know, a tip from me that missed that episode, go get a Dr. Pepper or a Coke, make it a Dr. Pepper, and put some (laughs) peanuts in it, and uh, it will change your life. That is a very, uh, it's an interesting snack that you probably think sounds weird, but if you haven't tried it, I'm going to implore you (laughs) to try it. It's a great, it's a great Southern treat. So there you go. I feel like I should, now that I live in Virginia, I see a lot of signs for like boiled peanuts and peanuts. Yeah. Oh. See, I feel like I have to. Have you, have you never had boiled peanuts, Erin? I don't think I've ever had boiled peanuts. No. Boiled peanuts will change your life. One of see, the greatest things there is. I've heard you either love them or you hate them. I don't know if there's like an in-between. So, so, so you, okay. I'm going to just let this tangent happen because I have okay. to talk about, I have to talk about boiled peanuts. So we're going to get I'm off Simpsons for, for one second, everybody. <laughs> Uh, boiled peanuts, uh, when I first had them as a child growing up in Mississippi, Mm. um, I thought they were kind of gross because I was like, why would I want soft peanuts? Like these sort of just taste like lima beans. Like I didn't, Mm. I didn't really understand the appeal. Uh, but as I got older and I had them from better places that actually knew what they were doing, it is such an interesting juxtaposition of texture and flavor that's unlike anything I've ever had. I know a lot of people are scared of boiled peanuts or they think they sound really weird. A good, <laughs> like a, a very good batch of boiled peanuts, especially like sort of spicy ones. I like spicy ones. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. That will become one of your favorite snacks. And also because you have to take them out of the shell. I was going to say, are they boiled yeah, in the shell? They are like, boiled in the shell. Okay. And you also, you do not have to, I think because you have to open them, you get full faster. You don't have, you don't, you don't just like shove them in your mouth like potato Mm -hmm. chips. So you have to sort of take your time with them and it really makes you enjoy them. Um, yeah, I I could do a whole podcast about peanuts. (laughs) Um, I don't know if anyone out there has ever had deep fried whole peanuts where you eat the shell, but I've also eaten those and they're very good. Oh my gosh. So that is a, that is also Boiled peanuts are greater than like, there you go. (laughs) Uh, New, new, new bonus episode coming soon. (laughs) uh, The peanut special. I love peanuts. Sponsored by Dr. Pepper. Sponsored by Dr. Pepper. <laughs> That's too good. That's too good. Well, uh, I want to know, and, th- and you sort of said this in terms of Ralph. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Got to get back to the Simpsons. Uh, do, what are some unpopular opinions? Like outside of Ralph, do you have any unpopular opinions or things that you've like, you tend to disagree with other Simpsons fans about, or you've had sort of ar- discussions, not necessarily arguments, but discussions about with other people? I feel like, all right, I know I've read this on a few like blogs before, it's not, you know, that obvious one was like, the Simpsons probably should have ended a while ago kind of thing. My thing is like, y'all can keep it running. Just make sure you end it on an even number. <laughs> I really want it to end on, which is either in a zero <laughs> or a five. I know a number in a five is not even, but once they hit 31, I was like, all right, y'all better keep going to 35 or 40 because if you say this show has like 33 seasons, I'm like, oh, or like 37, you know, I don't know. That's a weird one, but. No, I totally, I totally don't disagree with that. I, I always, every time they do start a new season, yeah. I'm like, man, I hope if they stop, which I mean, who knows if Disney will ever let them stop. Yeah, but I do often true. think like, I hope they end on a nice, I hope they go out like a on a nice, number. smooth, clean number with like a really nice end. Like yeah. I definitely am, I'm weird about stuff like that too. So I, re- <laughs> I relate to that. Um, I think another, I don't know if it's unpopular, maybe other people might agree with this, but Something changed for me once they stopped being hand-drawn and hand-colored. And I think that was around, like, the movie. I'm, I'm probably – I don't know if when that timeline was. It, it actually started – I think season 13 was the last season 
that had cell animation in it, if I'm not okay. mistaken. Yeah. Uh, but it definitely, they, they switched to HD okay. around the time of the movie. And that's when like the intro started changing or yeah. it changed after the movie and things like they that. They started adding this like drop shadow. To yeah. like the characters. And that's what kind of threw me off. I'm like, this is different. I was like, and to somebody who's like, yeah, change, do new things. I was like, don't change my cartoon. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, but, no, yeah. people, people know, like listening to this podcast that I love Modern Simpsons. I still stand mm-hmm. up for it. But mm-hmm. I, you know, I do agree there's something about those early seasons that's very special the way they look. And I'm yeah. sure, you know, if people, and, and I'm sure you understand this as an artist, um, I, I always try to remind people that people, who animated on the show, they want to get better. They want to go to the next step. And I'm sure that sure. when they, when the process changed and, and, and they were able to do things more efficiently and more consistently, mm-hmm. I'm sure mm-hmm. to them, they were like, Oh, this is just what you do. It's like when a band puts out a record that their fans don't love. And it's because it's like too produced. It's too clean. Yeah. But People want to get better at the things that they do. And I know that seems, you know, bad to people like us at times. It's not as, it's not as, um, there's something missing sometimes when yeah. that happens. Uh, but I, mean, I try to remind myself that they were just doing what every other show did. And they actually held out longer than most shows. Like they were doing mm. so animation a couple years beyond uh, when other shows had already switched. I think they really tried to hold on. But I mean, it, it just it's impossible. They would not even be yeah. able to make the show now. <laughs> it makes it, No, I totally understand why they did it. And like. You know, I do appreciate, I mean, I appreciate any type of animation. I've tried to look into that and study it. And I'm like, that's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I still watch the new episodes, probably not as consistently as I have earlier seasons. Sure. But every once in a while when I'm like, oh, I want to watch a Simpsons I've never seen before, which isn't really that, like sometimes, you know, but I think the thing that first tripped me up was when I saw like Homer holding like a cell phone. And that was like whenever, or an iPhone, or like, I mean, one of the one of the great a good episode is when like Homer makes his website, and you know they start into like adding the internet into things, and like they've always been a show that keeps up with the times. So I get why they do what they do, and like why now the Simpsons are like technologically advanced, <laughs> but they haven't aged, <laughs> like you know, which is always funny too. Um, so I get like updating something even when it comes to like animation because you do have to just keep up with like the way the world's going so I I get that but yeah it's just something about that that lo-fi quality that really (laughs) like does it for me (laughs) yeah and and it's really jarring when you talk to animators and they talk about how like they see some of those early episodes and it drives them nuts because they wish they could have done it better yeah not knowing that all of us like (laughs) love that we we really appreciate that roughness you know that's pretty funny I see that translated over like into somebody who's made work for a couple of years now like looking at my earlier work and people are like wow that's so cool it's so good I'm like oh I see every single flaw <laughs> like right. I see I could have done this way better I don't even do this anymore like this isn't something you know so yeah it's all it's all about like uh developing a craft over time and just like improving it along the way so I totally yeah. get it <laughs> absolutely absolutely there's there's more of that good advice I mean you know it's 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 an interesting thing to look at those like early seasons and compare them to later seasons and I think that you know it's true the Simpsons were originally drawn so simply Matt had such an interesting uh somewhat simple art style that really you know stood out to people and you know I I think that they almost look out of place being drawn really well. Like you see them in like Disney, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like newer, like Disney shorts, like the new Maggie short and stuff. And it's like, this looks too good. Yeah. And I do understand <laughs> that. But also if you ask me, and this is no surprise, 
I would I would gladly take it at that mm-hmm. than to not have it anymore. Don't don't take my senses I, okay. away yet. Yeah. As long as, long <laughs> no. as you got the voice cast, don't take it away. I do. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I feel like they have to give us ample notice. <laughs> like when it's like I need to emotionally prepare myself if yeah. it ever ends. But well, that's funny because. I was going to say one of my other, I don't know if it's a favorite episode, but like a, an episode that sticks out and I remember is the Treehouse of Horror 6 when they Homer goes through that fabric of time and he becomes like a 3D animation. That Incredible. is burned into my memory as a child. Like, because that was the first time I saw this cartoon, again, that I've seen as 2D now as a dimensional thing. And that's like before they were really making a lot of like uh, 3D animated movies and stuff like that. And I was like, this is crazy. I'm pretty sure when I was younger, I was like, that's crazy. He's real. Like <laughs> he's really there. So it's just funny seeing that. And now I'm like, oh, I don't like the shadow. They look two dimensional. <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> that scene was apparently insanely expensive, also. I- yeah. Yeah. We so we went off on a boiled peanuts tangent and I actually didn't let yeah. you finish your favorite episode. So do you have any oh. more that you want to mention? <laughs> um, maybe just like yeah, besides that treehouse one, I would say Lisa the Vegetarian is one that really sticks out. It's probably subconsciously a reason why I don't eat meat now. <laughs> like, Well, I don't know who knows this, but neither do I. So oh, I, I relate to that very heavily. Yeah. Yes. And um, I don't know. I think there's just like a lot of funny moments in that too. Like when Lisa steals the pig and it's just like rolling down the street. And Perfect Mr. Burns is like when, bur- when pigs fly, you know, I don't know. And then it goes zoom and by- I- There's just like a lot of stuff. <laughs> and then it's just so funny. It ends with like Paul McCartney and Apu up in that beautiful garden above the Quickie Mart, which I don't think they ever go to again. <laughs> like, no. Maybe, <laughs> but, maybe, maybe once like in a later season as a joke, yeah. but nothing's coming to mind. Yeah. Yeah. But I was like, I don't know. I think yeah, that was definitely one of the episodes that I liked too. So very special episode to me. Mm-hmm. I actually uh, in the last episode, the Q and A, I said that I thought that was like one of the best episodes, uh, just for like perspective and like uh, that that teaches a lesson or gives you something mm-hmm. to really think on. I think there's a lot of layers to that episode. So anyone that missed the Q and A, go back. You'll hear me rant about that. Um, well, so obviously, you know, I have this podcast mostly because of my collection. That's kind of why mm-hmm. I started it was to talk. To people, because having a collection is not enough. I also need to just talk about The Simpsons every week. Um, did you have any relationship to the merchandise as a kid? I know you said you find stuff now and you'll grab it. But when you were younger, did you have much? Or did you hold on to any of that? I What I probably had were like Burger King toys. Like some of like the fast food toys for sure. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to think. I remember going to, I remember going to Atlantic City when I was younger. And I think my parents had some like... Uh, like casino credit or something. That's such a weird story. But <laughs> we went to one of the shops in the casino and literally I chose like Simpsons figurines. I don't think I've opened them either. And I think they're from like 99 or wow. 2000. <laughs> and they were like Treehouse of Horror uh, themed. I think they were bendable or something. But I've always been like interested in. And then again, when I said I was making those shrinky things, I would make Simpson shrinky things. <laughs> like I would like yeah. go and I would trace the Simpsons. And then probably what I had because we used to have these uh, scholastic book fairs too when I was a kid and I would buy Simpsons books but I do remember (laughs) buying the how to draw the Simpson book yeah and like I saw somebody I think there's an Instagram with Simpsons books or something I don't know somebody posted it and it somehow wound up on my feet and I was like oh my god I had this book and I was like is this not full circle or what (laughs) like this is definitely like, oh, I can draw them and I can make them out of glass now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny to, to, that you say that, too, because it's like the Simpsons 
for, you know, Fox was so against them bootlegging, or they were so against bootleggers, especially in the yeah. 90s, but they gave everyone the tools. They put out books on how to draw them. They even made like a like a Play-Doh kit that literally had molds of Bart and the family that you could like make stuff in their shape. So it's like, mm-hmm. they were just begging you like, oh, here, make some Bart toys, make a bootleg yeah. shirt. Here's how you draw them. Like, it's almost like right. they subconsciously caused that to even happen, which I think is very funny. I think because they put out those things, yeah, it led to like so many creatives like reinterpreting it in their own way. That was like free advertisement for them in a way because now they just have so much Simpsons out there without them really having to do much now because right. so many people are like super into it and like like using it as a, a reference source and whatnot. So I think they knew what they were doing. <laughs> well, and, and I do think that they've backed off a lot. Like I do, mm. um, and there's certain people I won't name just for fear of putting them on on blast. But I have friends that have been making Simpsons stuff for a long time uh, that I think make some of the best Simpsons stuff that exists, period. Some of my mm. listeners probably know who I'm talking about. And I feel like I might know who you're talking about. I think you probably do. <laughs> and I have long said like they would have been smart to just hire him. Uh, we'll just call, we'll right? just call him uh, – I'm not even going to make a fake name. Never mind. So like, <laughs> people, I, they would have been smart to just hire him because I think he's made better stuff than even the show has made at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, I think they are smart if they do back off because all that is doing is saving you advertising money. You don't like these mm-hmm. creatives, uh, especially even people that are making bootleg shirts. I understand why that's a problem, but mm-hmm. also. Like that is keeping you relevant. That keeps people watching your show on Disney Plus. That For keeps sure. people excited because it it is nostalgic to them. They might not want to go buy a Funko Pop or like a pair of slippers, but they might want this cool shirt with a reference that they, you know, that the show might not think to make. So yeah. if anyone from Fox ever hears my podcast, uh, just let people do it. I promise you they, whatever money they make is just Nothing. saving you money yeah. that you have to pay <laughs> yeah. someone else to advertise. Um, so just, I mean, it's, it's a beautiful thing and we all know that Matt loves it. So why should, why you guys should love it? So let it, let it go. Um, well, Aaron, I could honestly, um, I could talk to you all day. This has been really, really fun. Uh, but I don't want to keep you on a Saturday. I'm sure you have stuff to do. Uh, before (laughs) we get out of here, do you have any shout outs, any projects coming up that you want to talk about or things you want to tell people to just, just to look into? Um, well, if you didn't know, my Instagram name is Snip Glass, S-N-I-P. I do this thing uh, every 15th of the month called Snipsins of the Month, which also organically happened. And that's a really cool thing <laughs> for that to work out. Um, but yeah, every 15th of the month, I offer pre-orders of Simpson-themed pieces. And that's how you can get your hands on one at the moment. Um, I am not taking custom orders at the moment. But hopefully in the future, I will start that back up again. But until then, if you'd like a Simpsons piece, hop on my website, 3 p.m. Eastern time, every 15th of the month, <laughs> and you can, you know, get a nice sailboat painting to hang in your window. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> or a nice mill house to keep you company. You know, <laughs> there's a lot to choose from. But yeah, thank you so much for uh reaching out and like off this opportunity. It's really cool. <laughs> oh, no, this is, this has been a blast. I'm going to encourage everyone again, go follow Aaron online, uh, go to her website, try to get a Simpsons piece, uh, <laughs> and just, you know, just go appreciate her work. There's a, there's a really awesome community of artists with people like Aaron in it. And I'm sure a lot of, you know, but if you don't, uh, I follow a lot of them. So go to Bart of Darkness, check out who I follow. I don't follow that many people. Uh, so yeah, go check it out and, and, and get you some cool Simpsons art from all these really awesome creatives, especially Aaron, Alex, some of the other people I've mentioned. Uh, 
uh, and just go spread the love. Send your money to people that that are putting it to good use and making cool shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that said, Aaron, as for me, as for you, we out. Word. See you soon. <laughs> if you enjoyed this podcast, check out the official Instagram at Simpsons is greater than or follow me on Twitter at Simpsons is great. If you're curious about me or my Simpsons collection, just search for Bart of Darkness on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks again for checking this out. I'll see you next week.